The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory uh, we've got a lot to cover today from Eric Berry, Bashad Breeland. We're going to answer your questions. Uh, first, couple housekeeping notes. Uh, if you guys like the show, we would appreciate five-star reviews. Apparently, that's a thing that is is good. So uh, go ahead and if you if you like if you like this podcast, if you like the Arrowhead Pride channel, we would appreciate some five-star reviews. Uh, so thanks thanks for that. Um, one other note. If you have not had a chance to uh, hear about this yet, Maddie, Craig, myself, and Jake on the draft show, we are doing the KC Draft Guide. Really excited about this project. Uh, April 8th, it releases, but you can pre-order now at a reduced rate. We're going to have over 300 prospects ranked, over 200 write-ups on prospects, how they fit the Chiefs specifically. If you go to gum.co slash Draft. Promo code NERD, N-E-R-D, you will get the guide for six ninety nine. Uh, fellas, Maddie, how you doing today, my man? Kent, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's a little late over here. We uh we got started early and we ended up late. So uh we're hanging <laughs> on by a thread right now. No, actually we're feeling pretty good. We're feeling pretty good. We're ready to rock. We were just waiting for Jalen Ferguson to for- finish his three-cone drill. I did want to see the end of Jalen Ferguson's stuff. I was actually disappointed that he was not smart enough to just not do his agilities. Oh, that's, an- that's another red flag. Craig, could you run an 808 three-cone? You know, I've got terrible knees, and I use a walker, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I can get under eight in a three-cone. Uh, that's that's God, bad. Just... That is really bad. He is the only edge defender since 1999 to be over eight seconds in the three cone. That's that's horrible. I I I read it and I cried laughing. Like, yes, and I feel bad did. for like I feel bad, but like we're just sitting here talking and and then uh, Dane Brugler just tweeted him out and. <laughs> I just like screamed in our. We were having our you know pre or pre show conversation. I screamed and started lo- dying laughing because I th- I thought it was a typo. Like <laughs> it looks like a typo. It looks I mean, like it, a typo. Yeah, it's more embarrassing. That is seriously more embarrassing than Orlando Brown's performance last year. Yes, like overall, but, just having these two agility drills that poor is worse than Orlando Brown's entire combine performance that went down as one of the worst ever. It was so bad. 
to have a short shuttle. Everyone's going to talk about the three cone because people pay attention to that number more for edge rushers. The short shuttle was significantly worse than the three cone. Literally changing directions for this man requires him to come to a standstill, probably turn right even if he's trying to go left, <laughs> do a three-fourths a full turn here, and then go the other direction. And even then, I still think I could go a little faster. He's Derek Zoolander. He, he can't turn uh, left. Or right. <laughs> or right. <laughs> the man can't turn. And I, it, I stunned. I, I'm just stunned. It was it was incredible and it is entertaining. I feel bad for laughing at him. I really do, but like, I, I it's inexplicable. Well, the worst it, part it, is it, it does, like overshadows a pretty good combine performance for him. Elsewise, <laughs> like he was a average ish for his, his terms of explosion. He was pretty big. He put on weight. He didn't run terribly, so he was looking up. For most people that watched his film, they didn't think he was a great athlete. So he was actually probably outperforming most people's expectations mm-hmm. throughout most of the day. He looked a little better, better put together, despite adding 15 pounds from the Senior Bowl. And then these numbers came out late at night. They tried to bury them. They tried to bury these numbers once people were asleep. And it's just not good. And the most embarrassing part, my man went on Twitter, corrected every single person that tried to say that he ran a 4.83. Tell them that he ran a 4.75. He spent hours doing this on Twitter, only to come out the official numbers at 4 Eight three. <sighs> yeah, I just, I, I really, just for his sake, I wish it was four seven five. Maybe it'd make him feel a little bit better. <laughs> okay, we we gotta move on. It, it this is just this is a raw reaction from us because it was it was incredible. Um, okay, let's move on to something a little different. Eric Berry, uh, he's gone. They have released him. The, the last time we had talked, we kind of speculated on what that would mean. I think we kind of all had a pretty good idea once Tyron Matthew was signed that Eric Berry was on the way out. I think that was kind of all of our gut reaction when that happened. As much as people were talking about Tyron Matthew playing a, a center fielder role, like that's not where his value is. Uh, Craig, was it the right move? It, it was. You know, I know that we're kind of... It's a sad thing. Uh, the dude has overcome a ton of stuff, and he's a guy that's probably going to be in the Chiefs' ring of honor almost immediately, You know, as soon as they can get him in there. He's a guy that means a lot to this organization. It's tough, but the guy has played three games in two years. I know there's been a lot of asking questions about dead money and what he's worth and everything like that. I mean, the guy, you're, you basically set... $30 million on fire for the past two years. So it, yeah. they, they just can't financially commit to that and do that anymore. So yeah, it was definitely the right move to move on. Yeah, they had to do it. They were left with no choice choice at this point in time. You just couldn't go into the next season without having any reason to believe that his injury got better. Like, I understand the year before where there was a real injury and he was recovering from it. It sucks, but it happened. He came off of a very good game against the Patriots, blew out his Achilles late in the game. It is what it is. It happened. You're looking for him to come back. And then you just have this nagging injury that almost seems like it was more of a pain tolerance issue, judging by all the reports of him never, like, actually being ruled out, like, physically unable to perform. It's just kind of a pain tolerance, or if he can go out there and actually play, if he feels like he can do it. 
what's to say, what insurances do you have that's not going to happen again this year? You just cannot pay him with so much uncertainty around the whole situation. The move had to be made. I think the Chiefs saw the needing to be made. I think as soon as you saw Tyron Matthew come in, you knew this was going to happen. It didn't even have to be a specific type of player at safety. Just paying another safety, you knew for sure this move was coming. I think for me, it's been kind of weird just because like, I was thinking about Eric Berry's legacy in Kansas City. And I mean, we're, we're really honestly, we're two years removed from his impact, his presence, you know, kind of in the organization, you know, like there's just been so much that has happened. The last time that we really saw, you know, Eric Berry make an impact was, was 2016, you know, and that's just a weird, it's a weird thought to think, you know, like, however, like, I, I think this is like a full on, this is Patrick Mahomes team definitively. Now they have gotten rid of the old era of chiefs football when it comes to, you know, they made drastic moves. They got rid of big presences in that locker room, like Justin Houston and one of their best players in D Ford. And now Eric Berry, this, the switch has been flipped. This is Patrick Mahomes team definitively. And, and it, it's okay. Like I, I'm okay with that. Like this is a consolation for the, you know, the transition from players that have been beloved in this city. Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is definitively the guy. Now, um, a guy that is now playing for Patrick Mahomes in the Patrick Mahomes era, uh, signed this week, Bashad Breland. After seven months of consideration, he finally decided to, to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs one year, $5 million, or up to $5 million. Maddie, what do you think about this guy? I think this is probably the best move the Chiefs could have made once they were out of the whole Darby sweepstakes, no matter how far in they had gotten. Breland was kind of the best player left out on the market if you're looking in terms of career peak so far, maybe even peak performance as of last year. I know he had a shortened year last year with Green Bay, maybe played out of position a little bit because they tried to play him in the slot quite a bit down the stretch, but he still was pretty good. When he was targeted, he wasn't giving up catches. He was taking the ball away more than he was giving up touchdowns. He had been a very solid player playing a little out of position for him. I think you're going to see him move back outside. And I think that was the biggest thing for the Chiefs is they have Kendall Fuller, who's very good in the slot. They don't want to try to push him outside. Breland was one of the last corners on the market that had proven to be successful for more than one year in the NFL playing on the outside. He was kind of the last-ditch effort, and I really do think you saw them flirt with Darquez Denard in terms of this visit, how they announced it super early through multiple sources just to get Breland to say, okay, (laughs) fine, guys, I will sign before you go get him because the Denard fit never made sense and even made less sense was, oh, it's Thursday night, Denard's coming in on Sunday. Like Nobody announces anything (laughs) that far in advance unless it's a leverage play. So they played it out. They it probably helped Denard too, but the Chiefs definitely used leverage there, I think. And then they got the guy that they really had their eyes on once they couldn't get Darby. Yeah, and I actually wrote a review of <laughs> Bashad Breland about eight months ago when he was in the Chiefs training camp. He he just took a little break in between then and now before deciding to go ahead and stay in the dorms at St. John. I know. They really must have been... St. Joe? Yeah, St. Joe. St. Joe. Yeah, They must just have terrible dorms there or something like that because... I mean, that's they, they that must have been the reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, Guys, there's, there's, there's video of Jalen Ferguson's three-cone. Oh, no. They, Kit, don't I'm watch watching, it right now. It, <laughs> I watched it once in the time that Maddie took to talk. So, 
All right, sorry. I I, I just I just sidebarred. Um, Craig, can I ask? I'm gonna ask you this. Would yeah. you rather have Bashad Breland, one year, five years, or Steve Nelson for four thirty whatever eight point you know eight and a half million dollars a year? What would you rather have? Uh, it's Bashad Breland easily. Uh, Steven Nelson is a terrible zone corner. Like uh, we, uh, I said that all through last year. He's he's a fine press man corner. He's a terrible zone corner. He he just lacks the understanding of his responsibility. His zone awareness is very poor. Bashab Breland played in a big zone scheme in Washington. Then you know he he was also a press corner in Washington as well and in Green Bay. So he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Steve Spagnuolo wants guys that can do a little bit of everything. Steven Nelson made no sense from that regard because he was exclusively just a man corner. So Breland for one for five make is way, way, way better than Nelson for, for 35. My favorite part about Steven Nelson in this whole story is how many times he tweeted out during like the Super Bowl or and stuff like that. Huh, zone coverage equals success with the thanking face, as if we didn't run enough zone for his liking last year. So 47%, 47% zone. What? Come on, Steve. David Nelson's Twitter presence is a blast for anybody uh. that has not followed it. I think you get a little glimpse there of why he may not have been long for the Chiefs. He's just... He seems like a guy that is very confident, which you need to play cornerback in the NFL. It's one of the most important things you need to be able to play cornerback in the NFL. You have to feel like you're the best, but he seems to feel himself a lot. And I think having something like PFF, whose grades loved him this past year and said he was a great corner, kind of helped inflate how good he thought he was of himself. Because I'm with Craig here. I'd rather have Breland. I think his performance this past year was about the same. His peak performance has been better. And I understand that this was Steven Nelson's best year. I don't disagree with that. But there were still games, multiple games, where he was the target of the offense. And that's where the defense fell apart was Steven Nelson's coverage on a player. I don't know and how he still you tweeted get to through be, it. He still and tweeted, still through, tweeted it too. through it that he was excellent in the game, citing his past breakups. Yes, that happened. It's just, it's little stuff like that that I think you see why Nelson's not here. And I just never thought that he was, he felt he was better than he actually was and was bringing more to the team than what he did. I just remember he was really the only one to comment on Sutton's firing with the, with the Kermit T. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was Bob's fault. It was just, all of all it was Bob's, Bob's fault. fault. Bob told him not to turn his head around. Uh, so I was going to ask this question. Uh, it's from the mailbag at Synapse Truth asks is Breland a good enough cornerback to to draft an edge in the first round so okay I think Breland is good enough that the Chiefs might be able to get by with waiting until round two to draft a corner um I think I think with for me with this is like just that from an outlook perspective edge or corner makes way too much sense and I think you just take the best one out of those positions. Even if, yes, the answer is yes, you probably could get by with Breland and a round two corner. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if they, if a corner they love isn't you know, still there in, the, in, a, in striking distance that they're not going to grab it. They're going to probably keep that fluidity, is my guess, for either a corner or an edge in round one and probably in a trade-up. Yeah, I think so as well. I think they're going to wait it out. I don't think that this necessarily means that they are, you know, uh, hamstrung by the ability to just be trading up for Greedy Williams or even Byron Murphy, even though he's a little small. I think that 
that they just they they're going to be able to sit back to 21 and kind of look at their board, see who's still there and then be able to make a smaller move up rather than forcing the issue, but they definitely still need another corner. Uh, Bashar Breeland's on a one-year deal, Kendall Fuller's up after this year. You know, who knows, maybe they both play well and they sign them long-term after that, but they just need another body in that room right now. So no I don't think that uh, that he's good enough to really skip corner, you know, 100% in the first round. Yeah, I'm with I'm with them there. I don't think that he's good enough that you're going to say, if there's a corner that you like in round one somewhere, you're just going to say, oh, nope, we have Breland, we're good. Especially because it right. is a one-year deal. Because Ward's still pretty unproven, even though there was promise. And Fuller isn't locked up long-term right now. So there's three spots there that you might want somebody. So if there's a corner you like, they're still going to go for him. I do think this helps the case, though, that you no longer have an actual hole. Like, you don't have a void at the position of cornerback. You have a capable, competent player out there that, if it's up to me, and I think the Chiefs are probably leaning this way a little bit, edge is probably a higher priority. If they have the exact same grade on a corner and an edge in the first round with a chance to get them, I think they would pick Edge now just because I think Breland is a little bit more competent at corner, and that makes the whole cornerback room more competent than the Edge rushing rotation is right now. But you're not going to ignore it altogether if a really good player falls to you. Uh, okay, so we want to talk a little bit about Tyree Kill, and I think we, I think it's you know it's our responsibility to at least address it um, from a. You know, from a human standpoint, it w- it's absolutely heartbreaking to think about if something happened to Tyreek Hill's kid at the hands of Tyreek Hill or his fiance. That is, it's heartbreaking. And from, you know, beyond football, we're all three dads. And the, the, the brokenness of families kind of comes to light, regardless of if this did happen. Um, I just it kind of puts into perspective that there's a lot of broken families out there. And I, I really honestly hope and pray that this didn't happen at the hands of, of one of Tyree kills kids parents. And I really, you know, I just, I, I hope, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I think I've been thinking about broken families all week, you know, and it just, it, it hurts. And regardless of what happened here, it just, it kind of shed some light to me. And I just, it's been on my mind all week. I just, I pray that, this didn't happen. And I just, I pray that, you know, it's not as rampant as, you know, I, I, I imagine it might be out there in the world. So I wanted to say that, but let's talk about football and just kind of from a football perspective. If Tyree kill is, if the chiefs move on from Tyree kill, what's the earliest that you're investing in a receiver, Maddie? All right, so I'm going to stick purely to football here until we get too many more of the details. Like, I agree with Kent. This is a horrible situation if something did, in fact, happen. I'm not going to dive too deep into it as of right now, just while we wait for stuff to come out. I'm just going to say prayers out to Tyreek Hill's kid, fiance, if anything poor happened in between the two and all that stuff. Hopefully it's nothing, but if it is, my condolences to everybody. As far as on the field... If Tyree Kill is no longer on the team, I think you have to sit back and really think what you want as a receiver. You're kind of past the age of receiver or the NFL where a receiver is just a blanket receiver. You're not drafting a receiver because he plays wide receiver. You're looking for specific roles. 
I think Brett Veach and Andy Reid are detailed enough to know that they are looking for a receiver that fills a specific need or specific needs. So it depends on what you're looking for. If you're trying to find a direct Tyreek Hill replacement in terms of a deep threat, a guy with a ton of speed that's dangerous with the ball in his hands, I'm not taking any receiver in this class that fits that mold until at least round two. I'm not spending a first-round pick on Paris Campbell, Hollywood Brown, anybody like that. I don't think they're close to first-round players. I think they're mid-late second-round guys. I'm not reaching for them just because they're fast. If you're just looking for a great player that maybe can help deep but can also do a lot more stuff, I'd consider a first-round receiver. If you give me A.J. Brown, Hakeem Butler at the end of the first round because of the way the board falls, I'm not going to be upset with it. I think the two are fantastic players. They can do a lot for you. They may not fill that same speed role, though, so you just got to look at what kind of player you're looking for if you're the Chiefs. But a receiver as early as round one is certainly an option if Tyreek Hill is not on the team. Yeah, and this is kind of the crappy part that we as Chiefs fans have kind of dealt with here, the the non-football side of football. You know, this is happening way too often in the organization. So, yeah, obviously you hope that though the things that we've heard are just not true because for all of the reasons that both of you had said for the sake of that child for everything you know the safety and the healthiness of that family all of that but from a football standpoint if Tyree kills not here or if Tyree kill maybe they don't trust to give him a long-term deal after this this is a situation where the Chiefs are going to need to bring a guy in, and I think that they do need to target it early. I do think that they still need to keep themselves open to be able to draft edge or cornerback early and then maybe circle back around to a round two wide receiver, kind of evaluate the board there, see if there's a Riley Ridley, Paris Campbell, Hollywood Brown. You know, You look at all those guys – try and develop a guy this year and then go forward after that. So I I think round two is the earliest I would take a receiver. Yeah, I I think that's kind of where I fall too. And I think one of the things that's just kind of interesting and like I've been thinking about from a needs perspective, now wide receiver would be a legitimate need. Yes. And a, you know, you have, here's here's where my head's at. I think if Tyreek Hill is not on the roster, this is my, like how I feel is you've got big holes and yes, you've got a lot of draft capital, but I wonder if that reduces your ability to be as flexible moving up into round one, maneuvering the board as much. You're probably having to dip into one of those 20, 20 second round picks. So you've lost some of those opportunities you've had to really capitalize on that draft capital with, you know, players. I, I want to hold on to that 2020 second round pick because you know, if the Niners are bad or if the Niners are average, you got a top 50 pick. And so I think you've lost some flexibility here if, you know, if they need a high value wide receiver. Yeah. And if you are, if you do have that hole, you definitely run the risk of if you're trading up, then you kind of limit your ability that you have to essentially hit with one pick at each position and the odds of hitting a defensive end, a cornerback, and a wide receiver in rounds one, two, three, back-to-back-to-back in the same year, very minimal. I will say with the capital the Chiefs have kind of built up, there is a chance that if there's an issue with wide receiver, 
or something else, they can still they have the capital to make a draft day or before draft trade for a veteran player. That's a little bit safer if you're giving away some of that capital to get a guy that you already know can play. That does give you a little I mean, You're still using draft capital to get them, but you reduce the risk of having to miss on a player. So it makes it more likely you can get a little bit more aggressive in the draft with what you have left. But it's just it's going to take a lot of games. If they have three big holes, like we seem to think that they have, if you lose wide receiver here, that's three big holes going into a draft that you kind of need to fill. That's just it reduces the amount of versat- or, uh, versatility that you have, and you just have to get real creative with what you're going to do. It's going to be a lot more thought and a lot more difficult for Veach if they need three positions. Yeah, and I think the the player acquisition with one of those pieces makes a lot of sense. Like, I think that's something they're probably. I mean, I I think good GMs are doing that anyway. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I know that uh, it's been reported that the Chiefs are interested in Jordy Nelson. I think that regardless of if Tyree Kill is on this squad, I think adding another receiver is a, a smart move for this for sure. this roster. They give need, me Des Bryant over Jordy. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I was going to mention Des is another guy that you could just bring in. You're really just hoping. Did he have an Achilles injury? like six months ago hey man he was working out with jamal adams riding the bike doing some interval training we're ready to rock you just want a guy for a year opposite of sammy watkins to kind of go along with demarcus robinson and be able to kind of play and byron pringle i think that you can uh hey oh uh, you just need another body there, another savvy body there. So I, I do think that they would... You know who's buying a bigger wallet? Who's that? Sammy Watkins right now. Absolutely. That guy is going out there maybe buying a second wallet because there is no way if they need a wide receiver that he is out of here. He's the guy that knows the system. He becomes a default number one, even with an injury history. He would need a second place to put all of his money. Absolutely. Like, we were talking about <laughs> how they could move on from... They have an out with Sammy Watkins next year. If Tyree Kill is not on this squad, Sammy Watkins either has to have a really injured year or a terrible year to not get paid yeah. that money in year three. So, it does right. reduce a lot of their flexibility, but I do think that they'd go out and find a guy in the draft. That way, they're not quite as hamstrung. Okay, well, that does it for that segment. We're going to answer some questions in a Nerd Squad mailbag right after this. Okay, we're going to answer some questions we missed this last week. Didn't get to do it. So uh, we had too much stuff going on. I'm sorry about that. It just got crazy. So uh, we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can. We'll try to get through them relatively quick. At Kenny with the Coke asks, would you rather have a good corner or a good edge rusher in this scheme? I'm going corner in this one. I think Steve Spagnolo really wants to just have a good coverage system and be able to blitz the daylights out of a quarterback. So I don't think that the good edge rusher is quite as important as a good corner in this scheme. I think given where the team is right now, I'd rather have a good edge rusher. I think they have more at corner than they do as a pass rusher. And while if you're going to talk to me about which is more important overall, I'd probably lean towards corner as well. Just there needs to be somebody that is excelling at rushing the passer. They don't have that yet. All their defensive ends are run first players. They need somebody that can rush the actual passer. I tend to lean with Maddie just based on roster construction, but I probably would wind up saying corner when it was all said and done. At Jack Oliver KC, would you like the Chiefs to sign Trey Boston, Matthew? I mean, I don't know who wouldn't at this point in time. The one thing you have to consider is this is the second year in a row that Trey Boston is going to be like the last player to sign before the league year starts. So apparently, it's trending mm-hmm. that direction. There must be some disconnect between him 
in a team, his agent in a team, something. Teams are not excited to get Trey Boston on their team, which is weird because his last two stops he's played very well at. But again, nobody wants to pay him whatever he wants. Hopefully the Chiefs can make it work. He was definitely like, he's the epitome of poor man's Earl Thomas, which would fit in perfectly. He's not bad. He's just not Earl Thomas, but he does the exact same thing. Just not quite as good. Bring him in for a bargain deal. Why not? I don't understand why it hasn't already been done. Call him a poor man's Earl Thomas. I'm tweeting that out later, by the way. The other thing, Dave Merritt was in Arizona, wasn't he? Last yes, year? he was. So, okay, what does that tell you? I, that's the only thing there. It's like you'd think David Merritt would have vouched for the guy and he'd be in the building by and now. And I think I said that at one point in time on Twitter to somebody. Everything makes perfect sense except for the fact that he worked with one of the Chiefs coaches. So maybe there's a character, work ethic, attitude thing that just fans don't know about because you have a guy who just had him on his team for a good year and they still haven't brought him in yet. So there's got to be a little bit something more that we don't see besides the play on the field. Right. Uh, at Molly Salt asks, I think the depth is there in this draft for Casey to stay put and take a starting quality D end, corner, tight end, and wide receiver in any order with their top four picks. Thoughts? I that's that's a big ask. I mean, that's just that's really tough to do. Like they can get players with some upside, with some potential to turn into starting quality players, you know, with those first four picks, but they're they're not going to hit all four of them aren't going to hit and three of them probably aren't ready to start from day one you're probably your first round pick will probably wind up starting from day one or you know be close to it everybody else you're that's a big reach uh but you know you get you can get players you can develop over time and by the end of their rookie deal they're they're worth some value too uh, at beans no asks will byron pringle be back with the chiefs i think he will I think Andy Reid has come out recently and said they like Byron Pringle. And I think Byron, like, I legitimately believe Byron Pringle was going to make the 53 man roster if at the end of the year. I think, I think Andy even insinuated that whenever he got injured, you know, when it first happened. Oh, yeah. I think he's definitely back. He did enough during camp and then during the preseason to show that he can play in the league given the right circumstance. So he's going to get his chance. This will be the year. I think he's a better receiver than some of the guys that have floated around on the bottom of our wide receiver depth chart. So they're going to get out there, give him a shot. As long as he learns to be consistent, actually catching the ball, he's good to go. <laughs> he's, yeah, <laughs> he's better than Garrick Dieter, who was carried around on the roster last year. So, yeah, I think he'll be around. Uh, I really wanted to ask Maddie this question specifically at D Johnston 29 <laughs> In what scenario do you think – do the Chiefs trade back from 29, Matthew? When hell freezes over and pigs start flying. No, if they're stuck at 29, they can't trade up for a defensive end or a cornerback, and they still have Tyreek Hill on the team, and there's no linebacker, and there's no wide receiver, and there's no this, and there's no that. If somehow it is the perfect board that leaves them with only quarterbacks, and maybe, I can't even think of another position. So if there's only quarterbacks left at 29, yeah, they could trade back. But I just don't see a realistic way they don't get a player that can start at one of their positions of need or be a major rotational player there, and then they'd want to trade back for it. So I think they're taking somebody at 29 at the latest, but I think they'd trade up before they would trade back. I think there's probably some scenario out there where they could, like if they just have a large tier and they're just wanting to move back to like 33 to pick up an extra asset or something. But I I would be specifically with, Bre- with Brett Veach, no. 
Like it's just that just does not happen. Okay, Here, here's the oh, scenario. scenario. The, the oh, scenario. Yeah, the scenario is just to watch you two's heads explode on. I'm fine. We we I'm need calm. we need cameras on you guys if that happens because that's going to be amazing. <laughs> I it's have just actually I have one scenario. I have one scenario. We're there at pick twenty nine. Nobody we like is available. Nobody we love. We trade back. I don't know, five, six spots just to pick up something else there at the beginning of the second round. We decide that Jeffrey Simmons' background's worth it. We pick him in the second round instead of the first round. Okay. I mean, that's that's I not a terrible like scenario. That. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be all right with that. Get a good football player. Uh, D. Johnston 29 asks, would you give up picks 29 and 61 and a 2022nd to get Brian Burns or Demarcus Lawrence? For Burns, yes, in a heartbeat. Uh, I think he's a little lighter than what Spagnolo's been looking for. I mean, we saw with the Okafor signing this week that uh, he's looking for bigger, longer guys, guys upwards of 260, 270, long arms, everything like that. Brian Burns has the long arms and everything, but he's light. So if they think that they can put the weight on it that Spagnolo wants, he's a guy that makes sense. Demarcus Lawrence has a lot of production, but he's going to cost a lot of money to keep on this roster. I, I just think that's a little bit of a gamble, and I also don't know that the Cowboys would really go for that. So I, I'd, I'd go with Burns. Yeah, it's tricky. I guess you really would have to sit down with Spagnolo daily, figure out what they want for their defensive line, because Burns does not seem to fit what they're going for at the edge. He has the frame to do so, just his style of play. He's not particularly stout versus the run he doesn't have a lot of just girth in his body he's not going to hold up at the point of attack whatsoever versus the run he's a great pass rusher but he's just a little light so if they feel comfortable they can bulk him up and they can survive with him in the way they want to use him absolutely his talent is worth that but if they think they have to make him fit rather than he does fit it's a little bit too much and then on the flip side demarcus lawrence i think fits perfectly in the defense but like Craig said, you have to pay him as soon as you bring him in. So there's no way I'm giving up those three picks and then paying him. If two of those picks and paying him, I could probably feel okay with. All three plus having to pay him immediately, that's a bit much for me. Fellas, I just did a little bit of draft math, hashtag draft math, and uh, looked at the trade chart. That is basically equivalent to the 12th pick in the NFL draft this year from from. If the Chiefs like traded from twenty nine to twelve, it would cost sixty one in a two thousand twenty second round pick. Funnily Yikes. enough, I I have an article that's gonna be in the draft guide about draft math and the trade chart and some stuff and some tendencies of Brett Veach and stuff. I'm really excited to write it and sit down and write it. I'm I'm uh, but it's gonna be in the guide. So if you go to gum.co slash KC draft promo code nerd you can buy that for $6.99 you'll have all of our guide and I have I, I have an article I'm writing about draft math and trades and all that stuff I'm I'm, I'm excited Maddie's like asleep just thinking about it but I enjoy 100%. it 100% <laughs> uh, at LG Suarez asks with only Derek Noddy and Hamilton on the uh, Justin Hamilton on the inside do you see the Chiefs surprising all of us in drafting a top-notch interior defensive lineman well if Ed Oliver is there. <laughs> Take a good football player. Like I, and it, honestly, we were talking about this. Ed Oliver is probably like he might have to play like some defensive end. Like he'll kick inside and rush downs. I would imagine stuff like that. They'd use them all over. But like, I mean, get good football players. If you have a top ten grade on a guy, get a good football player. Just take him. 
Yeah. Turn up for him. I don't care. I love Ed Oliver. I do too. I do too. And I think he makes a ton of sense. And I think that Chris Jones can, in a pinch, play defensive end. So that's a situation where you can have some rotation along that line. I also think that Christian Wilkins is a guy that makes a lot of sense from a stunt twist standpoint. The amount of stunts and twists that they ran at Clemson and the amount of stunts and twists that Steve Spagnuolo runs, it makes a ton of sense. I also love Jerry Tillery. Those guys all make this front significantly better. So yes, I would absolutely take one of those guys. I already made my case for Jeffrey Simmons, so I feel like that's already a yes for me. But yeah, I'm with everybody else. If you get to a point to where you don't like where the board's falling and you all of a sudden have defensive tackles available to you, absolutely do it. Just please don't take a run-first defensive tackle early in the draft. I don't Dexter want Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> I don't want anybody else at the beginning of the draft that specializes in stopping the run and not rushing the passer. We have a couple of those guys already. Let them do their thing for 30% of the snaps. Give me some pass rushers, Simmons, Oliver, Wilkins, Tillery. You might even be able to find some other guys a little bit later. A guy that we all love, Tristan Hill out of UCF. Yes. He's a fantastic guy to target in the third round. If you feel real crazy, Tristan. get him in the second round. He's a fun guy to watch. Just They're going to take an interior defensive lineman at some point in time, I think. Go with him. Go early. Go mid-rounds, whatever you want to do. They need some more pass rushers and athleticism on the inside. Take Draft Tristan Hill. Please, I love him please so choose. much. I love him Brett, so much. Ugh. He's Brett. If you're listening, <laughs> please. If you take, if they took Tristan Hill in round two, I wouldn't care. If anybody from the Chiefs is listening, go hijack the card and write his name on it. Run it to the podium. Let's go. I mm. thank you, thank you, Maddie Lane, for uh, we were doing our we were doing our cross check grades, and I got to watch Tristan Hill this week, and it was just a delight. I. Oh my! God. We got to yeah. make Jake watch him just to find out if he is a consensus guy that we all absolutely love or not. I think like, I, I think know he's Jake. not supposed to, but we need to make him watch him <laughs> for this reason because right now we are a perfect three for three. So this kind of has to happen. He's got that Montrevious Adam first step. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. going to count my guy to Montrevious <laughs> no, Adams. I, I'm just saying, I, I got the, like, I'm not comparing him because, like, I like, I mean, Montrevious Adams, like, his first step quickness was just phenomenal, though. He would get I off mean, so it was quick okay and get for his a guy hands into like the chest of the lineman. Yeah, no, it's, they're not the same player. It's just, like, I was just remembering, I was thinking about that. I was like, that's what Montrevious, that's what I liked about Montrevious Adams is he just get, he'd get extended quick into the chest of the lineman. Like it was just very fast. It's the same thing. Only Tristan Hill is more fun and more handsome. And he can actually move sideways. Yeah. Yes. No, like, that, 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 <laughs> like that's where the, that's where the comparison stops is just the first step. Montrevious was just like, what? Like straight line. He was Jalen Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> but that was what reminded me. I was like, what? The, the get off was phenomenal it was really fun to watch uh tristan uh you, you guys should go watch him if you're still listening to this pod then you know salute yeah. uh at at chiefs bros asks which player has the most to prove in 2019 it, this is easy it's anthony hitchens if he doesn't show up here that is brett veach's biggest mistake that he's made from a player acquisition standpoint to this point so he has to show for veach veach might come down to his locker after every game to make sure that he's performing because this is this is his player eval is on the line with Anthony Hitchens so it's got to be him 
Breland speaks for me. Uh, it's a position that is of great need. Like, there is nothing behind him right now. You have a solid player across from him in Okafor. You have nothing behind Breland speaks. He's got to show up. He's got to be a better player than he was last year when he was on the field. I know some people thought he was trending upwards. I didn't really see it. He just played a ton of snaps, so he's bound to make a play or two here or there for a stretch of games. He's got to be better. He's got to be a lot better than what he was last year because they are relying on him to be a second-round pick that they traded up for this year. Like, he has to be that. You know how, like, when we do these things, most of the time you guys, like, steal one of mine very quickly? And I'm just like, well, okay, I got to, you know, audible. There's, like, a laundry list of guys that have a lot to prove. And, like, I I mean, this this question, like, you could go a lot of different ways. Uh, I'll go Kendall Fuller. Uh, he's a guy that, that Brett Veach stuck his neck out on. He was one of the big pieces. He was the biggest piece in the Alex Smith trade. He got, you know, this is a guy that he targeted. And, um, I mean, it was up and down with, with Kendall last year. He needs to have a good year this year. And if he does, it'll go a long way in helping this defense become league average, which is all we want. I mean, the whole defense has a lot to prove. Like, let's just be honest. Uh, at Carson Strong uh, asks, does Brandon Daly make Breland Speaks the new flowers? Trey flowers, I'm assuming. Maddie? Yeah, we have to hope that is what happens. I mean, we really do. We want that to be the case so very bad. But you watch Trey Flowers play, and you can go back and check this with his athletic testing. He's an explosive player. Like, he may not be the bendiest player. He may not be the most traditional cornering edge rusher. He definitely wins through power like Breland Speaks is going to have to. But he's explosive. His first step is stupid good. He flies off the ball. Once he does get the corner, he has a second gear that he turns on. Breland Speaks just has one speed, and it's not that fast. So there's a long way to go before he gets there. Like, he could maybe convince me that he's getting him to be a poor man's Eric Flowers based on the way that they have violent hands. You said Similar Eric size. Flowers. Is that Freudian? No. <laughs> if I did say that, no. He's not Eric Flowers bad. Although he might be about the same level of offensive tackle. But I mean, regardless, Trey Flowers is just a better athlete and he moves better on the football field. Not even just athletic testing. He plays like an athlete. Breland speaks. Plays like a guy that's going out there to beat up the guy across from him and then hope it results in a good play. I think the reason that Maddie thought it was Eric Flowers is because... Breland Speaks moves like like an alligator, and Eric Flowers played <laughs> football in Miami. But uh, yeah, no, you're you're hoping that, that, close enough. That, that, close that, enough. That Brendan. Yeah, you almost had it. You almost, almost had, had it. Craig. That's why I, I tried to rush it. through it because I was like, ah, I don't, I don't have this. I'm pulling it off. Nope, nope, nope. It ain't there. So <laughs> this is staying on the pod, by the <laughs> of way. Of course it is. Of course it is. You could you should have gone to Alan Bailey who wrestled alligators. See, that would have tied it all together. I like Alan Bailey. Uh Breland speaks uh, <laughs> is a guy. No, he, he needs to play well. Matt was right. And Brenda Daly is the kind of coach that's going to be able to develop a player like him. He's done it a lot at New England. So I do think that he's in the right hands. But, you know, like Maddie said, they traded up for him. He has to be good this year. They don't have another option. They're going to expect him to play close to 100% of these snaps this year. He's got to be good. He's got to develop. I, I, and Brendan Daly's really got his work cut out for him. 
Yeah, I don't think that you're ever like I. I don't think that Breland Speaks is getting seventeen million dollars a year on his next contract. No, but I don't think so either. I, I do believe this, and I believe this for every defensive lineman in the building. I think that they're going to get better. Mm-hmm. I think that Brennan Daly is going to build a plan that's going to maximize the talent that they have in the building, and they're going to manufacture some pressure. And uh, you know, Breland Speaks. I think he plays hard. I think he's willing to be coached, and that's a good start. So let's let's roll with that. He's not. I don't think he's he's never he doesn't have the athletic traits to be a, a great edge rusher or a great player, but he can be a solid player, and that's all you're hoping for at this point. One lost wizard asks, "How dire is the situation for the Chiefs linebackers on this roster?" Uh, it it's dire, and unfortunately, they've invested a lot into it. Uh, they. <sighs> They have paid Anthony Hitchens. They have paid Damian Wilson. They drafted Dorian O'Daniel. They are still giving up this year's fourth-round draft pick for Reggie Ragland. None of those guys has proven to be a really great player in this league. They've had some good seasons here and there. Reggie Ragland's a better fit for a 3-4. Dorian O'Daniel has plenty of upside, but he's not proven it yet. The this situation is not good, but because of the investment that they've made, it makes it much more difficult for them to go out and spend more assets and kind of compound the problem a little bit. And I get that you can't let bad players stop you from taking good players. I just think with all the other needs on this team, even though the situation's so dire, they can't make that a priority. And so I don't think that it's going to be a situation that's going to get fixed very soon. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm looking at it from is the play direly needs to be better. Direly, if that's the right way to say that, that sounds odd coming out of my mouth. <laughs> However, if the play needs to be better, just they've already invested in it. They've already poured in a draft pick free trade. They've poured in a monster contract. They've poured in another decent contract for a guy that's going to be a part-time player. And they use the day two draft pick on linebackers. You can't just keep adding to a position like linebacker like this over and over. This isn't edge. This isn't cornerback where you're rotating four or five guys in a game. You're needing different stuff out of them. This is a position that not necessarily is dying, but they're just asking for new stuff out of it. You're playing two, sometimes one at a time on the field. You can't just keep pouring resources into this one position when you have so much going in already. They have to roll with what they have. The play needs to be better, but they don't necessarily need new players on the team. They have to let these guys either succeed or fail. Yeah, and that's that's exactly where I'm at. You've just gotta you've just gotta see. You've gotta let them play through it and see if they can figure it out and if they're serviceable enough. I will say, you know what's terrifying? Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitches as your Mike and Will. Oh no, like no, that's I just ugh. people have people have said that in the last couple weeks and that sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. I think Just Reggie Ragland, the slowest linebacking core on the field in the NFL, is that the goal there? I yeah, like it, that can't cover. And so like, okay, Reggie Ragland, I liked Reggie Ragland when he was acquired and that is a they are paying for him this year in the in April when they don't have the fourth or their fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. That's the one asset that you might just move on because is Re- I don't think I think Reggie Ragland should be your backup Mike, 
I think you just let Anthony Hitchens play through it. You've spent a bajillion dollars on Anthony Hitchens. <laughs> let him play the mic. No. Let Dorian O'Daniel be your will. C.J. Mosley got a bajillion dollars spent on him. Anthony, oh, H- I'm sorry. Anthony Hitchens is a That's half true. of bajillion he got a dollars. Mid-le- he got a mid-level <laughs> linebacker contract now. Yes. Thank, thank, thank you, you C.J. <laughs> Hitchens is thrilled right now that C.J. Mosley got paid. Well, but, no, I mean, I guess they're just as thrilled that Quan Alexander oh, yeah. 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 got too. Shout out to Quan. But, like... <laughs> I, you can save zero, there's zero dead to cut Reggie Ragland. So if he's not going to play special teams, then that that might be the end of Reggie Ragland. But Mike and Will Hitchin Hitchin Ragland, yikes! That could they, it's the same thing as last year. It's the same problems. Hitchens couldn't cover last year, and he got torched. Right. So yeah. so uh, that's it. That's all. Good. What a positive note to end on. <laughs> we'll. Uh, We'll see. uh, We'll talk to you guys on the uh, draft show on Friday. Thanks for listening. Because Breland is like a crocodile and Eric Flowers, you know, like in Florida.